Chapter Fifteen of *The Convict* by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen. What a whimsical thing is that strange composition, man! The very elements of his nature war against each other, though bound together by hoops of steel. The spirit and the body are continually at variance, and the activity of the one often renders the other inert. Eda Brandon could not sleep after Edgar Adelon left her. Her imagination, ever busy, presented to her continually scenes the most fearful and the most terrible, where the gibbet and the axe and the deadly shot were seen and heard, and her uncle's form appeared as a criminal, freed for an hour or two from dark imprisonment, to endure the torture of a public trial. She judged of all she knew as a woman judges, with keen foresight and penetration, but without sufficient experience to make that penetration available. But still her fancy was busy, and it kept her waking. For more than one hour she did not sleep, but still she tried hard to do so, for she proposed to rise early on the following morning, when she knew that those whom she had determined to consult as to all the questions before her would be up but such resolutions are vain fatigue and exhaustion imperatively counselled repose and at length when her eyes closed notwithstanding all her determinations to watch she went on in a profound slumber for more than one hour after her usual time of rising a morning of hurry and anxiety succeeded dudley had already gone out with the gamekeepers and edgar to shoot lord hadley was still in bed mr filmer had been summoned to a dying man at daybreak sir arthur ate his breakfast absorbed in journals and papers and eda though she loved him had still doubts and hesitations which prevented her from speaking to her uncle on the subject predominant in her thoughts at length he looked at his watch and rose suddenly saying i must leave you dear eda it is strange that mr norris has not arrived as i expected him on business no mention was made of the peculiar influence that the one party possessed over the other and the tone too was so commonplace that eda began to imagine she had been over-penetrating and had imagined things that did not exist so that she saw her uncle depart with comparative tranquillity and remained alone for near an hour trying to occupy herself with the ordinary amusements of the morning at the end of that time however her maid opened the door of her own little sitting-room saying miss clive ma'am and helen was soon seated by eda brandon what is the matter helen dear said eda as the other at her invitation sat down on the sofa beside her you look pale and agitated i am sure you are for however we may hide it dear helen and however difficult it may be to detect in line or feature the anxiety of the heart writes itself upon the face in characters faint but very distinct you are anxious about something helen something has gone amiss tell me dear helen for i think i need not say that if i can console or help you have only to tell the how to eda brandon you are ever kind to your own little helen as you used to call me in my childhood eda replied her beautiful companion you were then but a child yourself but from that day to this there has been no change and it is time that i should try to return the kindness 
dearest eda it is you i am anxious for at least yours and i cannot refrain from telling you what i know in the hope that you may be able to avert the danger but you must promise me first not to mention one word to any one of that which i am about to say but my dear helen how can i avert danger if i may not mention to any one the circumstances inquired eda i am a very weak powerless creature helen and as you say the danger menaces mine more than myself if i must speak of it to no one how can i warn them listen listen eda was the answer you must not indeed tell what i relate except as i point out but still you shall have room enough to warn those you love of the danger their own acts are bringing upon them do you promise eda certainly helen replied eda brandon it is for you to speak or be silent and i must take your intelligence on your own conditions yet i think you might trust me entirely to act for the best helen i must not said helen clive what i have to say might involve the lives of others listen then eda your uncle sir arthur is involved in schemes which will i am sure lead to his destruction he is going this very evening to a place whence he will not come back without great guilt upon his head and great danger hanging over him perhaps he may never come back at all but to be sure that if he do go peace and security are banished from him for ever persuade him not to go eda that is the only thing which can save him she spoke with eager interest and it was impossible from her look her tone her whole manner to doubt for one moment that she was fully impressed with the truth of what she said nor was eda without her anxiety all that she had seen the night before all that she had remarked of her uncle's behaviour for several days not only showed her that there was foundation for helen clive's assertion but directed her suspicions aright and though she paused it was not in any doubt but rather to consider how without deceit she could obtain further information from one who was not disposed to give it i cannot persuade him helen she said at length in a sad tone without much more intelligence than you have given he would only laugh at me nay perhaps with all that you could give such would be the same result men are often sadly obstinate and ridicule the prophetic fears of woman who sees the events in which they are called to mingle but from which she is excluded not unfrequently more justly than themselves because she is but a spectator you have neither told me the place to which he is going nor the hour nor the object no nor the inducement inducement she continued in a thoughtful tone as if speaking to herself what can be a sufficient inducement for my uncle with everything to lose and nothing to gain by such commotions to take part in any of these rash schemes i see that you have yourself had fears answered helen and that those fears have not led you far from the truth then as to the inducement eda oh yes speak of that replied miss bandon if i knew what it was perhaps i might remove it perhaps so said helen thoughtfully then paused for an instant to consider i think you can eda she continued if i know looks and can understand tones you certainly will be able but there are several inducements as i suppose there are in all things there is the vanity i believe of adhering steadily to opinions once professed 
how much soever the man the circumstances or the times may be changed but that would have been nothing had they not led him on from act to act and whenever he wavered whenever he thought of how much he risked upon an almost hopeless undertaking still forced him forward by fears by fears exclaimed eda of what of whom who has sir arthur adelon to fear what can he apprehend she spoke somewhat proudly and helen gazed at her with a sad but tender look while she replied in a few brief words he whom he fears is one whom if generously treated there is no cause to fear his name is dudley eda what he fears is the discovery by mr dudley of some dark transactions in the past i know not what for they did not mention it the proofs of which these men have in their possession eda sat before her silent with amazement for several moments but then she put her hand to her brow and the next moment a smile full of hope came up into her face if that be the inducement she said i think it will be easily removed dear helen but you spoke of others may they not be sufficiently strong to carry him on the same course still oh no replied helen that is the great motive take that away and he will be safe speak to mr dudley first eda and get him to say to sir arthur these words or some that are like them i have heard of some papers to be returned to me in a few days sir arthur adelon affecting questions long past but i think it right to say at once that i wish all those gone by affairs to be buried in oblivion and i pledge you my word if those papers are given to me i will destroy them without looking at them that is much to ask helen exclaimed eda with a look of hesitation how can i tell that those papers do not affect his very dearest interests i remember well that his father lost a fine property some years ago by a suit of law may not these very papers affect that transaction may they not afford the means of recovering it they do not they do not answered helen eagerly and if they did would he not promise you eda the emphasis was so strong upon the word you that it brought the colour into eda brandon's cheek for she found that woman's eyes had seen at once into woman's heart still she shrunk from owning the love that was between dudley and herself and she replied i had better ask my cousin edgar to speak to mr dudley about it speak to him yourself eda replied helen with a faint smile your voice will be more powerful but let me proceed for i must be home without delay when you have mr dudley's promise to speak as i have said then beg sir arthur yourself not to go this night where he is going mind not eda whether he laughs or is angry but do you detain him by every persuasion in your power but if he should not come home said eda such a thing is not impossible he has been out very much lately both by day and by night and we are all ignorant of whither he goes on such occasions helen once more paused before she replied and then said with evident hesitation and fear you must send some persons down to seek him then dear eda let them go down to a place called mead's farm half way between this and barhampton about eight o'clock to-night there is a large empty barn there and at it or near it they will find two or three men standing who will not let them pass along the path unless they give the word justice then if they go along the road before them towards barhampton they will find the person they are seeking 
but oh i trust eda he will be found before that for then it will be almost too late who can i send said eda in a low tone as if speaking to herself but helen caught the words and replied in an imploring tone not mr adelon eda not your cousin he might be led on with his father and ruin overtake him too eda smiled sweetly and laid her hand upon helen clive's with a gentle and affectionate pressure but as she did so some painful anticipations regarding the fate of her beautiful and highly gifted companion crossed her mind and she said with a sigh do you know i am almost a chartist too helen helen started saying indeed i do not understand what you mean eda what i mean is dear helen replied miss brandon that i wish there were no distinctions upon earth but virtue and excellence and high qualities helen now understood her and cast down her eyes with a blush and a sigh and eda put her arm round her neck adding in time of need my helen come to me tell me all and everything and above all how i can serve you and you shall not find eda brandon wanting but hark there's lord hadley's voice in the hall below helen clive turned pale and trembled he will not come here she said eagerly do not let him come here oh how shall i get away why what is the matter asked eda in surprise but before helen could answer another voice rich and harmonious but speaking in grave and almost stern tones was heard my lord i beg your pardon but this is a matter which admits of no delay i must repeat my request for a few minutes conversation with you immediately lord hadley was then heard answering sharply and the next moment the voices ceased as if the speakers had retired into one of the rooms below you do not seem to like lord hadley helen said eda in a thoughtful tone i abhor him answered helen clive and i have cause but now i must return to the grange and i will ask you as a favour dear eda to send some one with me by the way it is very strange to feel afraid at going out alone for one who has been accustomed as i have been to roam about like a free bird without one thought of danger or annoyance but now i tremble at every step i take and watch every coming figure with apprehension and has this young man done this asked eda brandon it is sad very sad but you shall have protection helen helen clive did not reply and eda rang the bell and gave orders that one of the old servants who had been attached for twenty years to her father's house should accompany helen back to the grange then they parted after some more brief explanations but just as helen reached the foot of the stairs where the servant was waiting for her the door of the library was thrown violently open and lord hadley appeared with a flushed and angry countenance mr dudley was standing two or three steps behind him and his cheek too was hot and his brow frowning without seeing helen and indeed in the blind fury of passion without noticing any one else the young nobleman turned before he left the library and with a menacing gesture said to mr dudley your insolence sir shall not go without notice don't suppose your rash and mercenary pretensions have escaped my eyes be sure they will be treated with the contempt they merit but i will take care that they shall be pursued no farther for they shall be exposed to sir arthur adelon this very day dudley took a step forward and replied with a stern look 
your lordship had better take care what use you make of my name in your discourse for depend upon it if you treat it disrespectfully i shall know how to punish you for so doing it is probable that more angry words would have followed but at that moment two other persons were added to the group by the advance of mr filmer from the outer hall and by the appearance of the butler from the side of the offices carrying a tray with letters two letters for your lordship said the servant advancing in a commonplace manner as if he observed nothing of the angry discussion which was going on a letter for you sir he continued addressing dudley as soon as lord hadley had taken what he presented the young nobleman gave a hurried glance around and the slight pause which had been afforded was sufficient to allow reflection to come to his aid by this time mr filmer was speaking to helen clive and both she and the priest were moving fast towards the great doors of the house but the presence of the two servants was now enough to restrain lord hadley's impetuous temper and without opening the letters he hurried away towards his bedroom leaving dudley alone in the library the butler shut the door and retired to tell the housekeeper and some of his fellow-servants all that which he had seen and heard but which he had affected not to observe dudley in the meantime laid down the letter on the table and stood in bitter thought although a man of strong command over himself command gained during a long period of adversity he was naturally of a quick and eager disposition and a severe struggle was taking place in his bosom at that moment to maintain the ascendancy of principle over passion no he said at length no i will make one more effort to reclaim him i will not dwell upon his insulting conduct towards me but i will point out the wickedness and the folly of the course he is pursuing and endeavour to call him back to honour and to right the very determination served to calm him and looking down upon the letter on the table he took it up saying i wonder who this can be from i do not know the hand i must see for the seal is black and opening it he found the following words dear sir we have the melancholy task of informing you of the sudden decease last night at half-past nine o'clock of our much-respected friend and client rev dr dudley which took place at st john's just as he was about to retire to rest although we know that you will be greatly grieved at this sad event we are forced to intrude some business upon your attention under the following circumstances about a fortnight ago our late respected client having felt some apoplectic symptoms judged it right to send for mr emerson of our firm in order to make his will which was in due form signed sealed and delivered he therein appointed you his sole executor having bequeathed all his property real and personal to yourself with the exception of a few small legacies he has also requested you to make all the arrangements for his funeral as you may think proper merely directing that it should be conducted in a plain and unostentatious manner it is therefore very necessary that you should return to cambridge as soon as possible or that you should send your directions by letter in the meantime we will take all proper steps in the matter and trust to be honoured with your confidence as we have been with your lamented relative for many years the letter was signed by a well-known law firm in cambridge the first emotion in the mind of edward dudley was that of deep grief grief simple and unalloyed for the loss of one whom he had truly loved 
but the next was a feeling of bereavement his staff was broken his support gone the only one in all the world who had acted a kindly almost a parental part to him for long long years was no more he felt as i have said bereaved for although the love of eda brandon that love which had been cherished in secret by both was a great consolation and a comfort yet it was so different both in kind and degree from the affection entertained for him by his own relation that they could not be brought at all into comparison the one with the other new attachments never wholly compensate for old ties they fill a different perhaps a larger place but they leave the others vacant he mourned sincerely then and it was some time before the thought which would have presented itself much earlier to a worldly mind came even to his memory the thought that the riches of the earth which can never compete in a generous heart with those affections which are above the earth but which influence so much the course of human life and mortal happiness were now his that he was no more the impoverished student seeking by hard labour to recover the position which his family had once maintained that he was not only independent but wealthy and though perhaps not exactly upon a par in point of fortune with the heiress of large hereditary possessions still no unportioned adventurer seeking to mend his condition with her gold he knew that his father's first cousin had himself inherited a very fair estate he knew that he had held rich benefices and lucrative offices and he also knew that though a liberal and a kindly man he had been also a very prudent one and had certainly lived far within his income thus he was certain of more than a moderate fortune and although it would be folly to deny that such a conviction was a relief to his mind still sincere grief was predominant and he felt that the wealth he had acquired by the loss of a friend could in no degree compensate for the bereavement while he thus meditated he heard a quick but heavy step upon the stairs the glass doors between the hall and the vestibule bang with a force which might almost have shaken the panes from the frame and the moment after he saw the figure of lord hadley pass the windows of the library dudley instantly took up his hat darted out and looked around but the young nobleman had disappeared and seeing one of the gamekeepers who had been out with him and edgar in the morning walking slowly away from the house he stopped him and asked which way the young nobleman had taken his manner was quick and eager and the cloud of grief was still upon his brow so that the man looked at him for a moment with some surprise before he answered he then pointed out the way and dudley was turning at once to follow it when the butler came out upon the terrace saying with a low bow miss brandon wishes to speak with you for a few moments sir if you are not otherwise engaged if the business is not of great importance said dudley i will be back in ten minutes it is nothing particular i believe sir answered the man she has just had a note from sir arthur to say he won't be back to dinner i fancy that is all then say i will wait upon her in ten minutes replied dudley i wish to catch lord hadley for a moment before he proceeds farther we have something to speak about which must be settled at once and he sped upon the way as the gamekeeper had directed it was in the direction of the grange ten minutes elapsed and dudley had not returned a quarter of an hour half an hour an hour 
and when he came back he was evidently a good deal excited. He calmed himself down, however, as much as possible, and immediately requested an interview with Miss Brandon, who came down and joined him in the library, remaining with him nearly till dinner-time. They were at last interrupted by the priest, who came in search of a book, and shortly after the dressing-bell rang. At the dinner-table Lord Hadley, who appeared very late, was gloomy and thoughtful. He never addressed a word to Mr. Dudley, and spoke but little to Eda or the priest, who took one end of the table. Edgar Adelon did not at all seek to converse with him, and when any words passed between them, they were as sharp as the customs of society would permit. Dudley was very grave, and if he still took any interest in Lord Hadley's conduct, he might not be altogether satisfied to see him drink so much wine. As soon as Eda had quitted the room, however, Dudley rose, saying that, with Mr. Filmer's permission, he would retire, as he was obliged to go out for a short time, and after emptying two more glasses, Lord Hadley also left the table, and the party broke up. The young peer took his hat in the vestibule, and walked out upon the terrace, asking one of the men who were in the hall, if he had seen which way Mr. Dudley took. The man replied, up the avenue, my lord, and Lord Hadley pursued the same path. It was never to return. End of chapter 15